When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into this edition of UAP Weekly. I am Stephen Diener back with you here on the Unidentified Alien Podcast Weekly Edition. And happy to be back because, you know, it, it's funny. Over the past couple of weeks with speaking with uh, Nick Pope and Michael Herrera, there's been a lot going on in my own head where I've just been trying to keep up with things. And that's what I wanted to take the time to do today, which was just kind of take a step back and talk about some of the things, reflect on some of the things, and react on some of the things that was that, that were said by um, specifically Mike Herrera. Just because when I did that interview with him recently, there was a lot of reaction from that. Um, a lot of you heard that interview. I think you know, it was a lot of people who have never even heard my show before, had never heard UAP, and, but they heard that. And there was a lot of... Uh, reaction and talk from that. So I thought it was worth kind of coming back in today to really dig in on some of the specifics that shocked me and shocked some of you, because quite frankly, you know, like I said, I've been trying to reconcile some of the things that were said in that interview. And I didn't, I haven't even had time to sit back and kind of digest a lot of the things that were said in that interview with Mike Herrera, you know, everything was just so quick and so bang, 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 you know, let me get this out to you guys. And then before I know it, I'm like, wait a minute, what, what actually happened there? <laughs> it was so, I want to take that time to kind of sit down with you together and kind of um, really try to digest a lot of the things that we heard during that interview. So I'm going to play back some of the clips from that interview. You know, it's going to sound familiar. It's some of the things that you may have heard before from the interview, but I'm going to play it again, not the whole thing, obviously, just some clips here and there to kind of jog your memory, and that way we can all be on the same page as we kind of dig into some of the specifics from that discussion that I had with Michael Herrera. But before we get into that, um, I would be remiss if I didn't at least touch on the big stories that really just broke yesterday, or within the past couple of days, maybe I should say, you know, maybe that's better. And the first one being... This talk about David Grush versus Sean Kirkpatrick. Of course, we all know David Grush and Sean Kirkpatrick, the head of you know Arrow. And apparently, Kirkpatrick says that he has um, you know spoken to Grush and they've had conversations and follow-ups and all these different things. 
And David Grush comes out and says, no, he hasn't. That's a lie. So now it's kind of like a he said, he said. Um, obviously, a lot of people siding with David Grush for obvious reasons because there's already been a lot of speculation surrounding Kirkpatrick as it is, as far as how much is he revealing to the American public, how much is he holding back for you know different reasons, good or bad, how much is he lying about or holding back and that has uh, got him in some hot water. And now there is some talk, rumors going around that he's out. That there would be, there's some interviews being done behind the scenes to find out who the next head of Arrow is going to be starting in January, possibly. So could we be seeing the end of Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick's reign over Arrow? And could it be because of the public backlash that he's been getting before and now especially after the emergence of David Grush. It's really interesting, and it makes you wonder if he is out. I know some of you are excited about that, but not to pour cold cold water on it by any means, but I'm just wondering out loud, if he is out, then who do they bring in, and will it just be more of the same? I guess that all those questions remain to be seen, so we will uh, definitely keep an eye on that one over the next few months. The other thing that kind of came out within the past couple of days is... Uh, Everybody's favorite there, Ross Coldhart, who does great work, obviously. I mean, he had that interview with David Grush, um, kind of, you know, brought David Grush out to the world and introduced us all to him. And he came out just recently and said that, you know, remember the the shoot down of the, you know, UFO UAPs some months ago uh, over Alaska and then, you know, over the continental U.S.? Well, Ross Coldhart says that going back into February, there were eight to nine different UAP over the Arctic that were identified but couldn't be brought down. Like, we couldn't do anything about it. And one of those supposedly, you know, craft that we shot down might be uh, connected to those eight or nine different craft that we saw over the Arctic some months ago. So it's really interesting stuff because that kind of goes to some of the speculation and the theories out there, you know, as to... How and why a U.S. fighter jet was given authorization to shoot down an unknown object over U.S. soil. It was I mentioned it then, but it's worth mentioning again now. That doesn't happen. That's not something that is just done, you know, kind of willy-nilly. Okay, yeah, just go shoot it down. That never happens. And it happened at that point some months ago when those, you know, on a not you know these anomalous craft weather balloons whatever you want to call them we never found out for sure something was shot down and we never exactly found out what that was but could it be connected to some of these UAP that Ross Coldhart is talking about that we're seeing over the Arctic really interesting stuff um, again something to definitely keep an eye on because that mystery kind of re- it, it remains a mystery it's it's wild to me to think that. No one ever followed up on that. Like, we shot something down over U.S. soil, and everyone was just like, oh, okay, it was a weather balloon. I mean, and there was more than one object, too, but I guess we can dig into that more in a different episode. It's just just amazing, though, but still pretty cool to see that connection that Ross Coldheart is talking about. But back to Michael Herrera. Um, I want to start off with one thing here that I mentioned that I think is worth highlighting again. When I was... Toward the beginning of the interview, when I was talking to Mike, I mentioned that him and I did not speak before the interview, and that was um, on purpose on my part. 
I I didn't want to talk to Mike before our interview because, or before our discussion, I'd rather call it discussion more than it than interview, uh, for the specific reason so I could react in real time with you. And I think that maybe that's one of the reasons why I've had so much trouble kind of unpacking everything since then because I didn't talk to him before the interview and I was as shocked as you were with some of the things that he said. So one of the things that he did mention was he was talking about P3 assets. What is that? Psionic predisposition potential. So basically people that have a, you know, predisposed abilities, psychic abilities of some sort. And he spoke about these people that are referred to as P3 assets, you know, the three P's, psionic predisposition potentials. So hence the P3, um, in case you didn't get that before. And he spoke about these people as, you know, essentially people who live in third world countries, who are disconnected from the outside world, who aren't on social media, minds being corrupted and polluted by social media and news media and just everyday life. They live simple lives disconnected from the outside world to a certain extent. And these people have, um, you know, according to what what Mike was saying, some of these people tend to have a higher level of consciousness, a higher level of connection to a different plane because they don't live with all these distractions that you and I live with on a daily basis. So these people that he mentioned, again, P3 assets, are the ones that, you know, these, these black site agents go after because they have this higher elevated, you know, sense of, you know, ability and connection to these otherworldly objects or beings. And he mentioned some more here about these people. He explains how all of this works and why they do it. So this is Michael Herrera. Just again, a reminder, a couple minutes here of him talking about P3 assets and and how and why they're used. So essentially think about it. Um, option A here is like a black team member. B is a psionic person or a P3 asset, as they call them. And C is going to be the advanced tech or ET technology. So what happens is the black team has a machine that they hook to the psionic person. That psionic person then hooks up to the advanced tech or ET tech. And person A can control the ET tech through that psionic person. That also tells them how they can reverse engineer and make different technologies such as weapon systems, propulsion systems, vehicles, um, medical applications even. Even stuff for breeding programs, which is what they've been doing for the last 60 years. Okay, so this stuff is very well in depth. Everybody's stuck on the, the aspect of UFOs or having these reverse engineered craft. That's only a small percentage of what they actually do. The stuff that, in, in quote unquote from what they have told me, was that that's boring to them. Transportation's boring. They have other stuff that's more miraculous and and more spectacular than stuff that flies. Okay, so a lot there. Um, You know, one of the things he talked about is black team members who use these P3 assets to connect to UAPs, almost using them like antennas, right? I mean, they're using them as these conduits to connect to these UAPs that are flying around, and then they take control of them from there, almost like hijacking them, and then that's how they're able to bring them down along with other advanced weaponry, such as advanced EMPs, which you spoke about during our discussion as well. And then you spoke about something that I've never really considered before, which was other type of reverse engineering. Because he, you heard him say it there, you know, everybody talks about the transport modes of transportation. 
you know, these advanced flight crafts that's, that's, you know, we would reverse engineer from the UAP technology. And it was really interesting to hear him mention that's not it. And that's not even the, you know, the biggest thing they do. And that's, that made me start to think, you know, he's talking about breeding programs. That's unbelievable. I mean, we've heard things like that before when it comes to alien abduction cases, but is that stuff really going on? I mean, according to what Michael Herrera says, then the answer is yes. And then he says, you know, as far as medical studies. So what does that mean? And these are the things that kind of hit me that I had to go back to myself and listen to. I'll tell you a little secret here. I don't listen to my show. (laughs) Maybe that's kind of strange. Maybe you find that surprising. I have never listened to an entire episode of anything I've ever done. Um, And maybe that's just because I do it. So it's not something that I'm going to go back and listen to because I live it. I don't know. I mean, that's just how my mind works. I don't want to listen to it after after I do it for for you and and I put it out there. But this was something that I had to go back and listen. And I had to go back and just take in some of the stuff like that part there that I honestly did not catch the first time with that Mike mentioned talking about medical studies and things like that. What does that mean? Are we talking about studies of the genome and making, you know, some type of hybrid alien human hybrids? Is that going on behind the scenes? Who's talking about medical advancements? Are we talking about, you know, cures to diseases that are out there that we don't know about? Or on the other end, the more nefarious end, are we talking about advancement of bioweapons? Things that, you know, we wouldn't even know how to deal with if they got out. This is all stuff that, according, you know, to Mike, might actually be happening behind the scenes that we spoke about here during our discussion, which is why I really wanted to go back and unpack some of this stuff because it didn't even hit me until I went back and listened. And one other thing that did I didn't even t- think about when it comes to these P3 assets what if this is what's happening in Peru? What if this is connected? You know, we've spoken a lot about these, uh, obviously, sightings, you know, the, the face peelers, as they're called, um, you know, in Peru, these strange sightings and encounters of these, you know, luminous beings floating around and these villagers in, in Peru talking about these attacks that they've had from these, you know, so-called aliens that supposedly are there and attacking them, shooting them with light rays and they chase after them and then they're immobilized and all these wild claims coming out of Peru. They are seeing something. We've mentioned it before. They're seeing something and they're experiencing something. What if it's this? What if they're experiencing these type of, you know, black site agents using advanced technology to try to, I guess, gain new P3 assets In these villages in Peru, could this stuff be connected that Mike is talking about? Could it all be connected to what we're seeing there in Peru with these sightings and encounters? I've never thought about that until today that this stuff might be connected, what he mentioned and what's happening there. It's, you know, I've thought about advanced technology that humans might be using. I just don't understand why they would be doing that. Maybe this is why they're looking for more P3 assets if all this stuff is you know, these, these claims are actually happening. I'm not that I'm, you know, accusing Mike of being a liar because I'm not. And actually I'm going to get into my, my thoughts on that later on here towards the end of the show. I don't think he's a liar at all. Even though some of you may think he is, I'm going to give you my own personal opinion on that later, but I'm just saying if these things are actually happening, like he's talking about behind the scenes, 
maybe there is that connection there. It, I kind of blew my own mind with that when I thought about it earlier. But also the question that, that I kind of ended up asking myself is, how long has this been going on when we're talking about the use of these P3 assets and what they're using them for, right? So we got into that and uh, there's some pretty interesting answers here. Um, from my knowledge, it's been going on ever since this black team was created in 1947 hmm. during the National Securities Act. <clears throat> so, you know, Roswell, obviously, everybody knows about that. Everybody knows that there was three craft that went down that day that were targeted and they were targeted by very advanced weapon systems. Right. The earliest uh, indication or indication that E.T. presence was on planet Earth was in the like in the late 1800s is when this started getting knowledge to the government and among other sources. But this black team or this black organization was not created until 1947. Their specific purpose was this issue on this UFO retrievals, right? All right, so I just want to pause it there real quick because there's so much here and there's still like half the clip left. So this is just a lot to take in. I don't want to overwhelm again. Um, you know, we talk about there this early ET presence that that Mike is mentioning and going back even to the late 1800s, it reminded me of the story out of Texas that I have covered before. I have a whole episode about it on UAP. I think it was talking about uh, pre-flight sightings, like, you know, pre the Wright brothers in 1903 during the invention of flight. And there was a case back in the 1890s, I think it was, um, I believe in Texas, where there were reports in the local newspaper and from the people who live there of a crashed UFO. Again, pre-flight. Wright brothers didn't invent, uh, invent flight until at least another decade after this story, you know, supposedly happened in the 1890s. And they spoke about this flying disc that crashed to the ground and there were bodies in there that they buried, gave a, a Christian right burial to. Like they had gravestones and everything like that. They brought a priest out and buried these bodies. This was These reports were from the 1890s. So it was interesting to me to hear Michael Herrera talk about, you know, this early ET presence dating back to the late 1800s because that really does uh, kind of match up with that story out of Texas. Again, I can't remember the exact year. I'm going off the top of my head here, but I think it was somewhere in the 1890s. I want to say 1892. Um, but again, I had a whole episode on that back, you know, maybe over a year ago now. Uh, but he also talked about, you know, like this, it, these advanced controls and everything like that. I'm going to, I'm going to get in more into that after we play uh, more of this clip from Mike here. So you have people like David Grush who are, came forward exposing things that he knows people participated in or had access to, which is uh, United States government crash retrieval program. Right. But then you have the black teams. So government or blue team is what they refer to government as. So blue team has their own stuff, but black team has this edge on them because they have much more perfected systems compared to what the government has. Mm. These guys are literally the most powerful organization on this entire planet because of the technologies that they have. Their technologies can do circles over an F-22, an F-35, a B-21 Raider, or a B-2 Spirit, right? Those are all obsolete into what these guys have, all right? This black site I went to in particular, they shoot down two to three ET craft a year. Shoot it down. And it's, they shoot them down with advanced uh, EMP systems, right? So they surface these EMP weapons, and they target these craft when they materialize. Now, here's the thing. I found out through these insiders how they make this happen. They take a P3 asset to make contact 
and literally summon ET craft. Hmm. So when that happens, then they target it with these weapon systems and they shoot them down and they go and do their crash retrieval operation and bring it to the facility. All right. So there is that part again. Um, you know, that's just incredible to think about that that might be happening behind the scenes. And according to Mike, it absolutely is. And it's been happening for a long time. So I want to kind of go in order there with some of the things he mentioned, you know, this black team versus blue team, government versus, you know, black site teams, kind of crash retrieval. Incredible to think about. And it kind of does go with, you know, some of reports, you know, we talk about the men in black, you know what I mean? Where you talk about these crash sites where all of a sudden these trucks come out of nowhere and start collecting materials. We've heard claims like that before. Advanced flight systems, right? I mean, that goes back to a guy like Ryan Graves and all of his concerns about, you know, these these craft and using advanced flight systems that might interfere with our own aircraft, and, you know, you would have calamity in the skies. And, you know, Mike mentioned some of those things. Some of the, sh- the shocking claims that a lot of people attach to from this uh, interview that is where he said right there, two to three craft shot down a year. And that's at one site. So when we think about the big picture, we're going to get to that in a second because you're talking about advanced weaponry. Again, the claim being that we're shooting down these craft and we're doing that by using these P3 assets, these, you know, these psionic people who have these abilities to go and connect, if you will, to these, you know, UAPs, these UFOs and the aliens who are flying them or maybe their drones, whatever it might be. And then we're able to, again, essentially hijack them through these P3 assets and then bring them down. And that's how we are getting these craft. And if that's happening all the time, now what is the big picture here? What is with something like that? And what happens to the bodies? There were so many questions that I had from that claim, and I, I got to ask some of them here. We're going to dig into it more, but first I want to play you some of the stuff that Mike said after that portion there. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So this other part of the organization, they're also doing this aspect of the bodies. What I was told is that they incinerate some of the bodies. I think if they're alive, they may do other things, but I'm not sure on that. But I know for a fact that they incinerate the dead bodies of, of you know, uh, non-human intelligence, which it doesn't feel good to hear that because that's pretty much murder. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's laws that protect human on human violence, right? Innocent people dying from, from murder, but there's nothing that protects non-human intelligence, right? But it's still the same concept. You still have innocent life that's being lost in this process, you know? And this bothers these guys because this is what they do on a, on a, on a regular basis. Now, what people need to understand is this black site is one of many, all right? So because it's one of many, there's other black sites throughout the world who are doing the same thing. And that's where I'm just going to pause it real quick because that's another part that really got people. It's like, wait a minute, if you're talking about two to three crafts shot down a year, how many other black sites around the world 
are doing this stuff and what we're, we're burning alien bodies or we're keeping them for further studies. I mean, I'll, I'll let him continue here. So you have um, two to eight, you know, at, at a span of 60 plus years or even since the eighties for that matter, because a lot of these bases were being built around that time frame. So you have until the eighties until now present day, which is still going on. So think about a big picture globally. Let's say if there's a thousand of these bases and that's, I'm probably not exaggerating with that. And I might be a little shy in that number on a global aspect. Right. <laughs> but if you have a thousand bases or black sites that have the same technology that utilize the same protocols to t literally summon these craft and have these P3 assets do that, that connect to the craft hijack it from the ET occupants to literally freeze it so they can't move. And then they target it with these scalar longitudinal EMP weapon systems and bring it down. So you're talking about thousands of craft being right. recovered around the world by this organization that has no oversight of it whatsoever, that, uh, that literally embezzle funds out of the black budget of the United States government, right? So these guys have perfected this system since 1947 to understand how they can get away with this. It's really uh, incredible claims. Just hearing that again. Um, thinking about all the repercussions of that, you know, you're talking about if there's over a thousand black sites, two to three crafts shot down here at each site, you're talking about two to 3000 craft a year, not to mention the bodies, the alien occupants, uh, occupants that would be inside. I mean, you, are we killing thousands of aliens a year? Like what is happening? That's, that's the part again, that I know a lot of you um, attached yourself to as well when we first heard it. And that's one that really stuck with me. And I thought, how could something like that happen? And we're not hearing about all these crashed, you know, materials coming down to earth. Are they that good at hiding this stuff? And one of the questions that, and, and, and I guess they are, I don't know. Um, one of the questions that I got, actually, I was on a uh, YouTube show called Alien Addict and uh, shout out to, to those to the guys there at uh, Alien Addict Lee and everybody there who uh, had me on the show. Uh, it, was, it was a great time, and we were talking about the Peru encounters. And but we also spoke about this interview with Michael Herrera, which kind of inspired me to do this episode here today to kind of unpack some of these things. Um, and they asked the question, and I thought it was a really good question. It was one that I was questioning myself, which was. Why aren't the aliens retaliating? Like, if this stuff is happening, why don't they, like, how much are we going to push them? How much are we going to keep pushing them and pushing them until they finally just say, you know what, screw you guys. Like, we're going to take you down. You're not going to keep taking down thousands of our craft and, and killing our occupants every single year and, you know, not get punished for it. Why hasn't that happened? Is it just because they are at a much higher plane than we are as far as, you know, spiritually or mentally, physically? I don't know. Or are they just that much more evolved than we are in every single way that they have pity on us? It doesn't bother them. Um, their emotional state isn't the same as ours, so they just keep coming back. I, I really I don't have the answers. These are all just, you know, theories. These are just things I'm throwing out to try to figure it out along with you. But it's a question worth asking because if we're putting it in human terms, and that's what we do, right? We put everything into into human terms. How would we react? If someone is wronging us, if someone is, you know, wronging our family or our friends or our neighbors, 
we're normally going to stand up for ourselves or the people that we know or love. We're going to say, hey, what are you doing? Like, you know, leave us alone. You can't do this. I mean, this is how wars start. This is how, you know, disputes happen all across the world. And if we're shooting down and burning bodies and taking bodies for further studies, medical advancements or whatever it might be, if we're putting that in human terms, our question is, would, you know, naturally be, why isn't revenge being taken on the human race for doing all these things for decades? It's, it's fascinating. I mean, it, it hurts my brain to even kind of think about all this stuff. And that's again, why I wanted to kind of unpack some of this because I've been trying to reconcile these things for, you know, since, since I had this discussion with Mike, it's still mind blowing to me. One of the things we also spoke about was why aren't more whistleblowers coming forward? You know, we know about David Grush. We know about DC long, um, Michael Herrera, Eric Hecker, who actually, funny enough, real quick before I move on, I did want to mention Eric Hecker too, because uh, Mike mentioned one thing in that clip. He said these, you know, scalar type of uh, weapons that are being used. We talked about that. Eric Hecker and I talked about that. A lot of you actually reached out to me about that interview with Eric Hecker as well. And there was mixed reaction there. You know, a lot of the same reaction. There was shock. There was disbelief. There was some people saying this guy is just nuts. We don't believe him. And that's fine. I always leave it up to you. You know, it's completely up to you what you think about everything we talk about here on UAP. But to Eric Hecker's credit, he mentioned these things that Mike Herrera is talking about during this this discussion that we had that are taking place down in Antarctica where Eric Hecker was at. Talking about these, you know, advanced you know, scalar weapons that would be used to shoot down, bring down craft. I say shoot down, bring down craft. So is that one of the, you know, thousand black sites that Mike Herrera is talking about? And it's, it's, it's worth asking the question. Um, but getting back to this here, why aren't more whistleblowers coming out? Like DC Long and Mike Herrera and David Grush and Ryan Graves and all these, you know, some of these other names that we've seen come out. Well, could be for good reason. And it's actually something that David Grush uh, touched on as well during his testimony on Capitol Hill. This is what my career had to say. I see a lot of people trying to say, well, okay, why don't these guys come forward? Well, here's the thing. If you have access to some of the most cutting edge technologies that are hidden from the public and they've been hidden from the public since 1947 mm-hmm. and they're used for purposes of generating income, because that's how these guys have a foothold on the entire globe are they going to be so friendly just to let people leave it and then come talk about it openly right no they're not right there's 13 murders that i'm aware of of very high profile people ranging from government officials to others that this these organization has done Hmm. and it's very alarming i'm not going to reveal names of who they are but 13 murders that i know of of very high profile people Really? That were at the hands of these people because they wanted to keep a tight lid on it. Money, power, and intimidation. That's what it comes down to. I mean, you hear Mike talk about it there. Money, when it comes, you talk about the assets and the technology and everything that is involved over the decades with these black sites and the technology that they would be, you know, supposedly reverse engineering on many different fronts, apparently. Again, not just, you know, craft that fly through the air. There's so much more that goes into it, which I hadn't even considered until listening back to the interview that I did with Mike Carrera. It was just, it, it didn't hit me the first time. What else is being reverse engineered? It's, it's kind of scary to think about, honestly. Money, 
intimidation and power. Intimidation when you talk about the murders, straight up murders that Michael Herrera mentions there. And it connects to what David Grush said. He talked about that during his testimony at the Capitol. And he says he knows guys who have been intimidated and he knows people who have been killed over this information. And it makes you wonder who that is, of course. I I would, well, honestly, I don't know if I do want to know because that's pretty privileged information and I might be putting myself in danger by knowing that. So I I have to be careful with this stuff too. I mean, I've stepped in it a couple of times. I'm not going to lie where there has been times where I'm like, oh, should I know this? And I kind of get a little paranoid sometimes where I'm looking over my own shoulder and I'm looking out my, my front living room window to see if there's any type of strange vehicles out there. So I have to be careful myself. There's some information where, you know, I would love to know. And then I kind of second, you know, I have some second thoughts and I think maybe I'm better off not, not knowing. Curiosity killed the cat as the old saying goes. So who are these people that have been murdered? I mean, Supposedly, right? As as David Grush and Michael Herrera both claim. But remember, Michael Herrera and David Grush are in contact. And that is something that I have been dying to tell you for five months. I knew about this back in May. And that was something that I, I really did want to elaborate on this because I mentioned it briefly during my discussion with Mike Herrera. He came out with the fact that he and David Grush have been communicating for about five or six months now, and they have met before, um, and they've spoke multiple times about various things, about these subjects. And um, I knew this back in May, that he and David Grush met. They've had discussions face-to-face, over the phone, things like that. And it has been really hard to hold that in and not tell you about it. And that is actually one of the pieces of information that um, made me paranoid, that made me think, ooh, should I know this right now? And I can't tell anybody about it? Is someone going to come after me because I know that David Grush and Michael Herrera are meeting? I knew about that back in May, and I had to hold that in until... And it made me uneasy, it did. Um... But I had to hold that in until Mike revealed it himself, actually, in a previous interview just a couple weeks before him and I had this uh, discussion here. So really big stuff that they are kind of, you know, communicating. Really, really interesting. Obviously, this is far from being over as far as the these discussions go with Mike Herrera and all these people. Uh, him and I are going to speak again probably early on next year. I know some of you have asked me that. You know, they say you got to have him on the show again. I will. Him and I have, we do speak behind the scenes. Um, you know, we, we have conversations, a uh, little, you know, back and forth kind of, you know, messages uh, we, where we do speak behind the scenes and we will be speaking again probably sometime early on next year, you know, maybe toward the spring, somewhere in there, uh, end of winter. We'll see how the timing works out and what events unfold. But, you know, I mentioned kind of being uneasy. My Carrera has a lot of reason to be uneasy and to be flat out scared and he spoke about that here and this this didn't sit well with me so this is one of the thing that's one of the things i wanted to bring up again too so i i i'm i can't say that i'm, I'm ballsy um i'm scared because <laughs> it's, it's the unknown but this is how things get done they don't get done just from sitting talking about it 
They get done because people in the back end, people are trying to make things happen. And disclosure is the, the only way I can see it happening is if we keep pressing forward on this issue. And I really fell for him there because you have to understand, I haven't put out the video yet um, of this interview, and I still plan to do that. The whole thing is on video from this from this interview, and I do plan to put that on YouTube. I'm looking in Mike Carrera's eyes when he says that. And my uneasiness when he said that, I tried to hide it in my reaction when he mentioned how scared he was. Because when he did mention that, for me, I almost have like, you know, a, a chill kind of go down my spine because I can see the uneasiness and the fear in his eyes when he says that. I could see the hesitation in his face when he expressed how scared he is throughout all of this. And that's one of the things that really makes me believe he's coming from a sincere and authentic place. When you look into somebody's eyes and you have that type of heavy discussion, it's hard to come away from it and think to yourself, oh, this guy's full of it. There is not one moment where I thought to myself, this guy's full of it. And that's the thing that bothered me. That's the thing that still bothers me, going over this this information and some of these clips. Because I believe him. And if I'm going to sit here and believe Michael Herrera... And these things that we've gone over today and the things that he said in his interview, because I looked him in the eye while he was saying these things to me, these are incredible things to believe. These are scary things to believe. That is, this stuff is actually happening now, last year, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, 70 years ago. What is happening behind the scenes that we don't know about? And again, it's just... <laughs> I mean, I even find myself at a loss of words now still, uh, you know, after, even after this this interview and going over it now, unpacking it all. It's hard um, because I do believe him. That's what makes it hard for me because he also said he couldn't sleep for a week after that initial meeting going to the black site, you know, and again, seeing his face when he's saying those things to me made me uneasy and I'm still uneasy about it. And it also kind of begged the question for me, why isn't? Michael Herrera has spoken about in the public like David Grush. And I think the answer is because Herrera doesn't want to come out on the big stage, so to speak, to have that global interview like David Grush had with Ross Coldhart. You know, that's not to say that, you know, the interviews he's done with me or with Sean Ryan or Fade to Black, you know, the, the few interviews that Mike Herrera has given because he really only has done a few, and I'm very honored, and I've told him that on and off the air, that I'm extremely honored that he has, you know, essentially chosen me to be kind of a, you know, a, a conduit, a mouthpiece for his story. It really means a lot to me that he trusts me with that, and even some things behind the scenes that I, you know, can't say still to this day, um, like I had to keep you know, five months, I had to keep that information to myself that he and David Grush were meeting behind the scenes. Five months, I had to keep that to myself until he mentioned it. There's still things I have to keep to myself that I can't go into right now. So when it comes to all that, I think that's why, you know, Michael Herrera isn't brought up on the national global level that David Grush is, even though he is talked about a lot, don't get me wrong, but he's not in the forefront. You know what I mean? He's not in that 
mainstream, I guess is the word I'm looking for, that mainstream forefront because Michael Herrera does not have that desire to speak to the mainstream outlets because he doesn't trust them, quite frankly, which is what he's told me on numerous occasions. You also asked the question, why aren't more guys coming out, right? Well, go back and listen like what we just said. They're scared. He's scared. He's in the middle of it and he's scared because he's going to these black sites, because he's finding out this information. He doesn't know he's going to be knocking on his door. I mean, and there's still more going on. So it's not like this is over. It's not like he just went there for a vacation. <laughs> like There's still more stuff going on that I'm going to have to try to keep you updated about. Like I said, hopefully when we get to talk to him again, you know, early on, maybe within the first few months of next year, maybe. I don't know. So, sometime at that point, maybe we'll know more information about some of the other things that he's learned or is, you know, kind of still learning. But a lot of guys don't come out because of the reasons that he and David Grush have, David Grush have spoken about. Some guys are just flat out murdered, according to what, you know, according to their claims. Or their families are threatened. Their careers are threatened. Their pensions are threatened. You remember, with... Tim Burchett and, you know, Anna Paulina Luna and Jared Moskowitz there in Congress, when they had that, you know, public hearing, there were supposed to be more witnesses. But we got the three of David Grush and Ryan Graves and, and uh, you know, Fravor. We got those, but there were supposed to be like, you know, five to six more. They all backed out in the end because they feel that fear, because they feel that intimidation. And I know a lot of you had that, you know, just general doubt and speculation about Michael Herrera and his claims. I gave you my opinion of him. I looked the man in his eyes as he was telling me those things that you've heard. And I I believe where he's coming from. I do. Now, whether or not that means he's being fed false information, you can speculate on that all you want. All I can tell you is, when I looked him in the eyes as he was telling me these things that, that you've heard, I could not... I, I couldn't not believe him when I saw the look on his face and the uneasiness in his eyes as he was describing these things to me. And like I said, I'm going to try to get that whole interview out on YouTube, hopefully sooner rather than later. Things have just been extremely busy. I want to put out more episodes for you, but I just, it's 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 hard to find the time to do these sometimes. I'm not going to lie. So I try to do as much as I can. And that also involves some of the social media things like putting the videos out on YouTube. So hopefully I can get that out there soon. But, and you know, again, you make of it what you will. All I can tell you is my opinion, which is I believe that he believes what he's saying. How about that? And I can also tell you this. A man named Joey is not my name on Reddit. Not going to use his real name for obvious reasons because he is in conversations with Michael Herrera as well. You heard Mike Herrera mention him. Uh, during our discussion, actually, during the entire episode, you heard Mike Herrera mention him. Uh, Joey is not my name is a guy that is kind of deep into these discussions and deep into the information with Mike Herrera. Knows a lot. Knows more than I do, actually, um, because him and I spoke for 45 minutes a couple weeks ago. Joey is not my name, which is his username on Reddit. Um, I know, you know, his real name. Again, I'm not going to say it for obvious reasons, because he wants to remain anonymous because of the information he knows that goes deeper into anything that I've been able to reveal. Um, and honestly, some things that even I haven't been able to be told for my Carrera. Um, I can tell you that Joey is not my name gave me confirmation. I think is probably the best way I can put it 
gave me confirmation on this visit uh, to the black site that Mike Herrera did indeed go to some type of secret government black site. I can tell you that that confirmation was given to me um, from Joey is not my name. And I'm confident in saying that because it was confirmation. I, I'm trying to like, you know, dance around my words and I hate having to do that. I really do. But I, I have to be careful with some of this stuff. Um, I know some of you also you know, maybe were caught off guard when you heard about my career. I mentioned Ross Coldhart, how he's been speaking to Ross Coldhart. I can also confirm that. I, again, I can't go into a lot of the details, but I can confirm because I spoke a little bit with Ross Coldhart myself. Um, and I appreciate that. Ross, if, you, if you're listening, uh, I, I appreciate that confirmation that him and Mike Carrera have been speaking. Some people doubted that. They heard, you know, Mike Carrera mentioned that during the interview and they said, oh, yeah, sure, you're full of it. You're sure you're talking to Ross Coldhart behind the scenes. No, he really is. Um, and they have had discussions about all of these things. So there's going to be a lot more to come. And I guess the best thing I can say is you just got to stay tuned over these next maybe three to six months as maybe some more of these things develop. There's going to be more evidence, more proof, detailed information, however you want to put it. A lot of this stuff is uh, very possibly going to come out over the next three to six months. So absolutely stay tuned on a lot of this. Well, with all that being said, thanks for hanging out with me today to unpack all of this. It's still, I still haven't really kind of fully comprehended a lot of this. There's, I mean, the repercussions of this information, if all this stuff is really going on, is just, um, it's mind-boggling. It's, it's hard to wrap your head around. But like I said, stay tuned because I do believe we're going to learn more as the months go on. Of course, don't forget to download and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it's everywhere as far as the major uh, platforms, you know, Apple, Spotify, everything like that, uh, Amazon, all that good stuff. Um, on Twitter slash X, if you're not already following the show at UA Podcast 850, that's on all the social medias, you know, YouTube and TikTok and everything at uh, at UA Podcast 850, also on Instagram. If you don't do any of the social media and you want to reach out to me, you can email me S UAP. That's S D I E N E R UAP at gmail.com. I know I'm not the best at getting back right away. Um, again, I mentioned the time issue that I have in my hands. I do get back to you. I will get back to you. If you're waiting for my reply, I promise I will get back to you as soon as I possibly can. So anything you have to say, you don't use social media, you'd rather email me. You can feel free to do that. S UAP at gmail.com. And something really cool. And I'm going to put more information out about it over the weekend. But you can check out UA Podcast. I'm sorry. I'm get the, my, my own website wrong. UAPpodcast.com. So that's two Ps. UAPpodcast.com. It's a new website. How about that? They, they uh, created a website for me here. So that's pretty cool. You can check it out. They I mean, they did a great job on it. A lot of stuff is connected on there with the episodes uh, you, where you can contact me, keep up with the social feeds, videos, everything like that. So UAPpodcast.com. Pretty cool. So you can check out everything there. Pretty excited about it. It's pretty awesome. But other than all that, thank you again so much for joining me here today on this kind of uh, unpacking, unwrapping episode of UAP Weekly. Much more to come with future episodes. Stay tuned to social media where I update you there. 
And I will be back with you again soon. Until next time, again, thank you and be well. I'll talk to you again soon right here on UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And Stephen Diener, be well. Talk to you soon. <laughs>